this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome to episode 168. Today, we're going back with uh, our part two of our series with Tony Ingle Sr. Uh, <clears throat> we started the last series. Coach uh, was really talking about uh, his philosophy on what he learned from growing up in Dalton, Georgia. And uh, we talked about some current topics uh, basketball right now, what coaches can learn from his vision. And today, uh, coach is going to continue on that journey, talking about uh, just two or three points of how coaches can uh, connect with their players better. And one example that he gives uh, in this um, second part is how he really connects with his players, maybe going to their house, talking to them, getting to know their parents. So you develop that sense of trust with your teammates. So uh, he's really going to offer some great advice for us coaches. It's part two of Tony Ingalls Sr. in our Utah series coaching series. So um, should be looking forward to this. So part two with Coach Tony Ingalls Sr. Now, before you roll your eyes back, get mad and start beating the desk, understand what I'm saying. There's ab- being poor was one of the greatest things ever happened to me. And here's what I mean by that. There's nothing wrong with being poor. But in my opinion, there is something wrong with staying there. Not in this country. You can find a job and you can work two and three and four jobs. And I've done it. So, And other people have done it. And not, not, not only that, hey, I, I mean, I, as a high school coach, I run basketball camps. I had my radio show, had my TV shows. I had all these things because I was a hustler. But, but I'd also, before that happened, I'd paint houses. I'd, I would mow yards. I would, I would referee ball games. I would do anything and everything. I sold insurance. I did everything, anything. But, but so there's nothing wrong with being poor, but there is something wrong with staying there in this country. Go to work, set your dreams, go for it, and, 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 and remember, you plus God equals enough. And, and go for it, man. Two men can do anything. One of them's God. I say this, Mike Fratello, he used to die laughing. I say, Mike, two men can do anything if one of them's God and the other one is, is Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had to try to stop him. He was coaching Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody really stopped Jordan on that. That's a whole other podcast there, Coach, on the last dance. Um, and I'm sure you remember a lot of those days yeah, there. I ran Atlanta pro camp. So that's another thing. I ran, I wanted to get an NBA for a while. Then I backed off of it. One of my original dreams was to, to be an NBA. I have a, that's why people ask me. And I scouted an NBA for, you know, for uh, Jerry Sloan and for, uh, you know, Frank Layden for the jazz. Cause I was out here with BYU and so forth, became friends with them. But, but the bottom line is I didn't want to, I didn't want to. And here's why. 
because I had more influence with kids that were in high school and junior college and in college. Uh, you know, I, I could help them. Uh, Kevin, Kevin McConnell asked me one time, he said, Coach, why aren't you in the NBA? And I said, Kevin, if I gave you $100, how long would it last? He said, Coach, I'd put some gas in my truck and take my girl out to eat, and that'd probably be it. I said, what if I gave you 500 How long would that last? He said, about two, two and a half weeks, maybe. And I gave you $1,000. He said, about a month, maybe five weeks, six weeks, tops. I said, well, how long does influence last? And he said, influence lasts forever, Coach. And I said, well, that's why I coach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard today. I, it's amazing. I think to be an NBA coach, you have to have a certain personality, though. And I think the ones that succeed, you know, take, for example, your Jerry Sloan. Jerry Sloan just recently passed. I, I think he was an underrated coach, man. I thought he was one of the best coaches in the NBA of all time. What a great job. Tell us some stories about Jerry Sloan. Well, uh, what well, kind of coach he was? Uh, some of the stories I know I can't tell, but I can't say. But, but but I can say this, <laughs> as a coach, uh, he, you know, if you knew him as a player, I mean, he was tough as nails, boy. And uh, I'll tell you a story just came to mind. Uh, Dick Mata, when I was an uh, assistant at, at BYU, Roger Reed uh, was the head coach. And Roger had played for Dick Mata. And Dick Mata, uh, you know, was uh, at Weaver State. And... Uh, so Roger uh, knew knew Dick Mata and Phil Johnson. Phil Johnson, who was a longtime assistant for uh, uh, Jerry Sloan, but he tells a story that that Chicago Bulls, uh, Dick Mata was the coach, and 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 you know uh, they he you know but anyway, so they're in the locker room and they're playing the Atlanta Hawks, and Atlanta Hawks has a a guard you you probably heard of him. Pistol Pete Maravich. And, and <laughs> right. Dick Mata had the starter, you know, put two or three players on them. And he's walking and said, well, we'll match up our big guy with a big, you know, we'll match up a forward with a forward. But our guard, you know, and he's walking back and forth. And everybody's ready for the game. And said, so Dick Mata just, you know, if you know Dick, he's he just great guys. You know, he, 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 he's choice with his words. He don't say a whole lot. And he, he just says, Oh man, who are we going to put on Pete Maravich? You know, and and he said, and you know, everybody sitting there, Jerry sitting there. He walked back for us, and well, I know we can put him, but I don't know. I don't know if we do. Then we could maybe if we put Sloan on him. Maybe he'd probably get in foul trouble, or uh, he probably—I don't know. Maybe he said, "Shoot, Jerry." He, I'm afraid to put you on him, said, you know, because he averaged 44 a game for years in college. And, 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 and Jerry, you know, you're known for a big defensive player. And I'm, I'm just afraid he might embarrass you out here tonight. And, uh, you know, and probably get 50 points or something. Boy, they said Jerry was just steaming. And finally, Dick Martin <laughs> said, okay, uh, Jerry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you start out on Pete. And then we'll – you know, we'll uh, if we need to, you know, take you off of them later. We will, you know. 
<laughs> they said, they said, Pete Beverly dribbled down the court and said, it wasn't about one or two plays later. Pete goes up to shoot, and Jerry Sloan knocks him flat on his back, stamp, gets right on top of him and looks him right in the face and said, said uh, you blankety-blank, I own you. <laughs> and pointed his finger, pointed his finger right in his face. And <laughs> all he had to do is go back and look and see how many points Pete Maverick had on Jerry Sloan. And I put it this way: uh, the next, the next night, I think they went to New York or something, and Pete had like about thirty. But uh, you know, he had a bad night that night. But 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 Jerry Sloan was a he's a man's man. He's a he's a flat out man's man. They all love, all respect. Another story just cut my mind. Is uh, Carl Malone? Carl Malone got there, and and uh, he was the man, and everything, and and uh, and signed a shoe contract, and had on these certain kind of shoes, and and I mean, this is after you know Carl had made the name for himself in the NBA and everything. And Jerry Sloan walks in one day and says, "What are you doing them blankety blank shoes on?" I mean, he wasn't clean his mouth sometimes, and he says, "What is it? What are you doing those kind of shoes on?" And, and Carmelo said something. He said, you get those flipping things off if you want to play for the Utah Jazz. And, and boy, you could heard a pin drop in the locker room. And said Carmelo got up and went and took the <laughs> shoes off and came back with some different ones on. Because that's how much love Carmelo had for him and respect. And John Stockton the same way. I mean, all of them. You know, if you, you know, he, 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 he had your back and he's going to fight for you. And the players knew it. And they loved Jerry Sloan. And 20 years at the same place, it's, it's unheard of. But, right. Uh, <laughs> great, great man, great coach. And one of, one of my, one of my, just a personal story, I'm in Mississippi driving, me and my wife went down to see her relatives and we're driving through Mississippi. And hey, I get a phone call and it, it was Jerry. Well, Jerry Sloan don't, don't don't call me every day. I'm I'm gonna say or not like you know he can call me every day. But I said, good, you know, dang Jerry's calling. So I answered. I said, hello, Tony Jerry Sloan. I said, hey, coach, how's it going, boy? What a great surprise. Yeah, man, appreciate. It. But hey, listen, he says, you know, and he just starts talking, and we just talked for just a few minutes, this that and other, and he said some things, and well, it was right after I got the job at Kennesaw State, and he says, hey, what can I do to help you down there? Tell me what I can do to help you. I said, well, Coach, I'm putting a little media guide together. You know, I said, if I can get a quote from you or something. He said, yeah, man. He said, it'll be be there by next week. I said, okay, thanks. So I showed you what kind of guy he was, um, you know, thinking about others and and especially thankful for Tony Ingram, you know, and, 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 uh, boy, I was thrilled to take it. You know, he's the kind of guy you don't want to bother, but. Uh, it, it, it was a one to this day still a, one of the biggest shocks of my life having a phone call from Jerry Sloan you know you bump into him you talk to him time to time even if I was a scout it ain't like I was at the practices and all that stuff I mean I could be if I wanted to but you know you do your job but anyway I don't know there's, there are two or three little stories that might help Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, he just seemed like a good coach, I guess, you know, um, more, more of that, you know, that old school style that I, and I love, I mean, I heard so I grew up, you know, uh, hearing about when he played for the Chicago Bulls and so forth, how physical he was. 
the game's changed, though. The game's not physical anymore. So I don't know if that's for the, the good or bad, but it just seems like a just seems like a good, honest person and, and, and guy with great integrity for his players. So, and that's, you know, you don't see that too much in the NBA. Well, well maybe you uh, do. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 you know, times of change. This, this day and age in, in the NBA, you know, of course, it's like Bobby Knight. They asked Bobby Knight about coaching in the NBA. He said, I'll coach in the NBA. Just give me a dollar more than my highest paid player. And, you know, but they didn't want that. See, see, here's what happens. All them, right. all the owners, all the owners, they just kiss the guy's butts and they let them run it. And if you if you can just sit there, and I, I think right. Steve Kerr learned a lot from Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson just sort of, you know, hey, teach them correct principles, let them govern themselves, and you have to sort of understand people. You know, who in the world could coach – who in the world would think that you could put Michael Jordan and – and Rodman on the same team and win, you know. I mean, but but he understood basketball. I mean, Rod, Rodman goes on a day on vacation during the playoffs. So, you know, <laughs> I so, know that I was mean, for sure. <laughs> I think it, it's more understanding, and that's what I. That Bear Bryant said. Bear Bryant said back in the day, he says, you know, he said I don't coach football. I coach people. You know, and he said, I never want to, he said, they asked him about, you know, coaching. He said, hey, he said, I never want to coach a, a player that don't have a spiritual commitment. You get me a guy, and my daddy always said, he said, Tony, he said, your job ain't to, your job is not to speed up a player. That ain't your job. You get the kind of player that you got to teach him how to slow down. So when I go recruiting in college, I recruited kids that I, that I, that were doing stuff that I couldn't coach, and and I recruited kids that I didn't want to coach against. I said, "Good gosh, oh, I don't, oh, I, I would not want to go against that kid. I want him. Write his name down, <laughs> you, you know." And then and then I when I get on the phone with them or, or can, can, uh, recruit them, I look for three things. They say greatness comes in threes. I look for does he love the game. If you like it, me and you might not make it. You got to love the game. Number two, you got to be a fit. Dress nice, look nice, be nice, serve others, care for people. This is bigger than you. This is a team, et cetera, so forth. And then the, the, the other one is be coachable. Because if you're not coachable, then they don't even need a coach here at this school. You just come here and play. But if they hire me to be the coach, I guarantee you, I know more than you and your daddy and everybody that's ever breathed around you about this program. Because it ain't my program. It's not their program. It's not your program. It's our program, and I'm the captain of the ship. I'm not my way highway. Don't get mistaken, but I'm the captain of the ship, and we're going to make these decisions. And you know, I mean, I, I remember a guy walked in one time with a, a spring practice, a kid for the first time. His first time he's ever been on campus, Cherokee High School. 
and he came in trying to be cool and he had a sort of indecent picture on on his chest of a, of a girl and he went in the locker room and when he came out of the locker room he didn't have that picture on some of the seniors and 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 and, and, <laughs> you know, and here's here's what I like to say too we think about it. I had captains for for years on the basketball team and then I stopped looking for captains and I picked the captains I didn't want the players to pick the captain I wanted the captain and because the captain I want them to want what I want because if I, I'm trying to get more on the team if I can get three on the team then maybe I can get six if I get six maybe I can get nine that's enough but right Later in my career, I started looking for leaders. I didn't even call them captains anymore. And I didn't care if he was a freshman or if he was a senior. I always had uh, like two captains, seniors. Then I had a junior that was a co-captain. So I could keep it sort of, you know, going through perpetuity. But as I got older, I go, no. Indiana would never won a national championship in 1981 if it wasn't for Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah Thomas was the leader, whether you like him or not, he was the leader of the Indiana team, you know. And so our captains sometimes can be political. A guy said, well, I'll put this guy on the team. He's a principal's son, uh, you know, or he's uh, nephew, yeah. oh, superintendent, son, you know, but that's not fair. I, I just, I just don't, I just, well, I don't know, might be fair to the coach, but I, I, to me personally, I didn't think it's right. And when you do what's right, it typically be unselfish and, you know, you tend to do what's best. It tends to, tends to be, not always, but tends to be selfish. If you say, well, I'm doing what's best, I can't be the best. It usually leans toward selfishness but when you do what's right it leans towards righteousness and because unless you tell me different every sin i know is selfish right coach and, and that's a great point you um i think all coaches are trying to find leaders in their program now do you believe that leadership is already ingrained in people I, or I can you both. teach it? Uh, I, I really do. I, I think, you know, Jesus Christ was born to be a leader. I think Martin Luther King was born to be a leader. And I think tons of coaches are born to be leaders. I really do. Uh, but uh, you can be on the right track and just sit there and get run over too. And sometimes you can be on the right track but going the wrong direction. So, and meaning, you still got to learn. You still got to grow. You still need to improve. Uh, a leader is a reader, and a reader is a leader. Always be learning. The glory of God's intelligence, and you take that knowledge, which is collection of data. Intelligence means ability to reason, in my opinion. But wisdom is taking those two together and praying about it and ask God. Say, what, you know, you know, and, and get that modern day revelation. I mean, the Holy Ghost and the Spirit is going to teach us. I mean, he reveals things to us. It's the truth of all things. If the scriptures are right, and John, the Bible says, 
but you know the holy ghost is to teach you the truth of all things and i needed that because leaders stand alone a lot of time a true leader has vision a true a good a, a, I, I say a great leader has a you know a good positive vision he he has persuasion he, he serves he works hard and he and he you know uh cares for the others and he learns how to ask proper questions uh too many coaches talked and they don't ask ask is an acronym in my opinion always seek knowledge because the glory of god is intelligence i mean we've all heard that and and just the other day i'm gonna let you leak into the little private part of my life just the other day i have four sons you know israel's out here and a great coach and phenomenal done for the phenomenal job uh and, and tony jr just played for the state championship and in, in Georgia on the women's side and I'm just so proud of them and I have two other sons in business that's doing great. My daughter Sunshine is doing wonderful. But the other day, see I have a Pepsi every day. I have a Pepsi. Meaning I pray I pray ex- it's an acronym. <laughs> pray, exercise, plan, study, and inspire. Okay. Every day of my life, the first hour and a half to two hours of my day, it belongs to me and the Lord. Because I really believe that we would never win those nice championships if it hadn't been for God. And because and, I know I, I prayed so much that I bugged him, I think. But, but, but I sent this note. This is exactly what I did. I sent a note, a text to my boys, just my four boys. And I said, and I, told them, I said, hey, I finally got an appointment with the president of Ford Motor Company uh, on July the 10th. At 10 o'clock, I've got a meeting with him, but they're not giving me but 10 minutes. But I'm wanting to meet him. I want to talk to him. I want to interview him the best I can, quick as I can. I said, and then Arthur Blank, I got a friend of mine that knows Arthur Blank, who's uh, you know Falcons, and he sets in the loads and all this kind of stuff. And I said, I said, now Arthur's getting back from his trip in Europe. He, he's coming in on July the 20th, so he's going to give me 30 minutes of his time. I'm going to talk to him. Now, Nolan Archibald is the uh, CEO Black and Decker, of, of you know CEO Black and Decker, and I I texted this to him. And I said, and, and so I texted and Sherry, his secretary, called called back. And said he said he'll call you back as soon as he can, Tony. And by the way, are you still flying commercial? He always says that joke because he knows he has a private jet. So so I said I said. Um, <laughs> and I said, but you know, guys, after, you know, all of that, I said, I just want you to know, I just tired. I just closed my eyes and I just prayed. I just closed my eyes and I just prayed to my father in heaven who is perfect. And, and I said, so I just want you to know the atomic bomb, they said, was the sound that went all over the world and shook the world when the atomic bomb went off. And I said, guys, a prayer has more power than that atomic bomb, a simple prayer. And I said, I, 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 I said, I, I want you to know, I don't have no meeting with the Ford Motor Company. I don't have a meeting with Arthur Bank, and I don't have a meeting with, uh, or waiting for a return call from Nolan Archibald. I said, but, I can close my eyes and God's always there. No matter if it's night or day, I don't have to have an appointment. 
And I think he's a heck of a lot smarter than they are. <laughs> and, and I said, just for the record, remember, none of those appointments are set up. I just showed you a nice setup. I said, wasn't that a good setup? Just to teach you that how close God is to us. And if we'll just listen to him, if he created this earth, I think he can help us learn how to be better coaches, you know, and that was my, people said, what's your key to success? I said, well, Heavenly Father, because leaders stand alone, but you're never alone if you'll close your eyes and offer that simple prayer. So that was a personal inside thing on Tony Engel, but I was striving to be the that eye on that Pepsi, you know, pray, exercise, plan, study scripture, that little eye, I look for opportunities to inspire someone. And if you really want to get right down to it, that's what I did with my players. How can you inspire someone if you're not inspired? And 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 the true definition of inspire is to breathe in and, and to basically blow up. Look for the good in them. Constantly tell them how good they are. And if you notice the coaches that win and win big, they're positive. They're not cutting these kids down. Anybody can make a kid feel like a, a dummy. Anybody can make somebody feel like a piece of crap. Anybody can do that and, and gripe about how they're not any good. Well, you're the coach. Go to work. What kind of challenge did you give them? How many times have you been in the gym with them? How many times you call them? I, I have what I call a 45-second bump. Every, about, about every. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, Look no further than the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org, or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping. Not as always. I say every honest here. A lot of times after practice, I call a player and give them a 45-second bump. And I'm thinking right now of a, of a player, and I say, "Hey, you know, how's it going? You know, uh, uh, you know, Kevin, I saw you practice today. I was hard on you. I just want you to know, you know, I, I love you, man. I don't, you, I don't know what we'd do without you on our team, but I was a little hard on you today. But I had to be, you know. Just trust me. Just trust me, and and know that, man. I respect the way you handled that today. When I chewed you out and got on you." You took it, man. And I said, I love you for it, and I can't wait. And I said, I'm going to do everything in my power not to say a bad word to you tomorrow. You know, just something fun, just joke, just laugh. And and, and every time, Coach, no, man, you can be harder on me, Coach. You know, that's how – hey, Coach, thanks for thanks for calling. In 45 seconds. In 45 seconds, I'm going to try to make him feel like he's the most important player that right. I've ever had in my life. And I do that with everyone that I coach. And, and do it and be honest. You don't lie. You just be honest about it. Say, hey, man, I really admired that today, what you did today. Look for something good, and then after practice, tell them about it. That's great advice because I think we do a lot as coaches, Tony. Tell me if I'm wrong. We speak a lot to the group as a whole in coaching, but do we do enough one-on-one? -on -one? I think – 
I think we're all kind of guilty of that. I think we all need to spend more time connecting individually well, with our players. Just like you said, I think it's a great idea. How many times have you heard a player say, I mean, uh, have you heard a coach say, I love you, Kevin. I love you, man. Because, see, I bank on love. I base everything on love. And they know I love them. They, 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 they could never question if I love them, care for them. They could never question that. They could never, ever question my work ethic. Now, they could question my decisions, but I'll be the first one to tell them, you question my decisions, you're not very smart. Because I have a lot more confidence in my decisions than I do yours. Just because I've been doing this before you were born. So I think I know you, you, you learn, you listen to people and you watch TV and you read a magazine article and you see this and you think you got it all figured out. But son, I forgot more than, you know, and I think coaches, you think, well, some people probably listen and say, man, boy, I tell you, he's full of himself. Well, ego edge guard out. I, I don't think I got an ego. I think I got confidence. And I think the kids need that and they love it. If you want to know the truth of the matter, they say, man, the next national championship I'm going to be on, you know, I'm going to do everything that man says. And now I'm going to ask you another question. Because most, most coaches listen right now. Have you ever had a coach that come and knocked on your door 1030 at night during the season? All the lights are off. You go knock on the door. Mom, dad comes up the door. I'm pitching it right now. Benny Weiniger. They open the door. And I said, uh, they said, Coach Engel, what's wrong? I said, nothing. I just want to come and see how Benny's doing. Uh, well, he's asleep. I said, well, I, that's good. I, I, I just know, you know, he got hurt practice today. Now, what do you think those parents thought? You think I'm ever going to have a problem with those parents? So you give a little 45 seconds. Bump. What about <laughs> right. this one? I call and say, hey, Connie, this is Coach Engel. Coach, oh, Coach, she's nervous. What What did he do, Coach? What did he do? I said, no, 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 no. Ain't nothing wrong. I just want to call and let you know. He made an 87. He made an 87 on the English paper today. Oh, Coach. Coach, I'm so proud. Oh, I'm going to call him. I'm going to tell him. I said, I knew he wasn't going to tell you. But, boy, we're proud of him. That, that was a great paper. And anyway, hey, everything's going okay. And I always tell the parents, I said, look, I'll talk to you about anything but playing time. So, so, so you know, and, and, and I would. I, I talked to him I, I talk about your girlfriend. I talked to him about your friend, your mom, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your, your money. I'll talk about money. I don't care, but don't talk about playing time. You, you want to tick me off? You talk about playing time. We got a problem. Because last time I checked, you weren't there. You went there in practice. You ain't been there in early morning workouts. You ain't been there in conditioning. So don't give me, you ain't there in film session. So don't give, you know, don't, we ain't going to do that. And I tell them up front. I tell them that. And I did, you know, I, I learned that later. You know, I learned it really from Rick Majerus. I learned that later. Later on, when I was coaching at BYU, you know, I learned it from Rick Majerus, really. Just, you know, learning from him. Because I'm always wanting to learn it ain't, you know, it, the, the more you know, the more you grow.
Yeah, that's so true. I I love those stories, Coach. And I'm thinking about, I mean, I love what you're talking about by connecting with the kids and also, man, with the parents. I think sometimes we put a almost like a a door or a wall between us and the parents, don't we? Man, we got it. We got to open that door more and we have to go and connect with parents. And if you do that, I think it you know, makes your job a lot easier, and we definitely get more out of you. You have kids. to take everybody as an individual. I, I just have trouble when people group people, and that's exactly what we're talking about with racism. <clears throat> racism is grouping people. That's, that's crazy. I mean, like I told you, remember earlier I said you over I overlook jealousy, I overlook prejudice, you know, and I overlook ignorance. Well, parents are ignorant. <laughs> I overlook the parents. What's tough is you if you got a really good player, and the parents are trying to coach him too. And, and they're screwing his brain up. And, and, and you can usually tell right. who it is. And, then that, and, 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 you, and it's hard to knock shots off the tiger. <laughs> it's hard to go talk to those parents. And it's hard. To, but here's what's more difficult. Is to coach that kid and say he is a different individual or she is a different individual than their parent. And separating those two. Because sometimes... Oh, I've had parents come up threatening to whip me. I've had them come up wanting to fight. I was giving out a trophy at a banquet one time. A guy stands up and yells at me. I mean, I've had my share of parents, you know. And, and why my son why my son getting a scholarship? I said, wow. ma'am, yeah. I'm a high school coach. This is this true story. And the kid ended up yeah. going to Georgia Tech. He transferred to Vanderbilt. But he goes, says, uh, why my son guarantee my son's scholarship? I said, ma'am. I can't guarantee you your son will start from game to game. Oh, my gosh, he's the best player on the team. I said, yes, he is. I said, but, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I just don't know. I said, you know, I'm, I do whatever I can to help the team be successful. But, well, why can't you talk about scholarships? I said, because I don't have no money. I don't give out scholarships. What, what I can do. And then I explained to her, I said, here's what I do. And, and, and I said, number one, I, 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 and, you know, now in college, I gave out scholarships, but not in high school, I didn't. So, so I told her, I said, we play with sportsmanship. Right. We will play for championships. But the most important ship to me that I never sink is a true friendship. And I like to build friendships with my players. See, a lot of coaches don't. They think, oh, well, I don't want no friendship. He better do what I say. Well, go ahead and do that. If that works for you, but I want a friendship. And 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 I and that ship will not sink. Now in college, I gave out scholarship. We played with sportsmanship. We played for championship. But that lady could not understand. I, I said, ma'am, I want to get player scholarship. But to me, as a high school coach, a royal high school coach, that'd be different maybe if I was at a private school like uh, Mount Zion and I got Tracy McGrady or something. I mean, but I had, I didn't have those, you know, McDonald Americans right. in my program. I, I, my, like I said, my tallest starter was 6'1". We played for the state championship here in Georgia. I mean, you know, there's over 100 teams in that classification. It was the largest classification at the time. And had to go against a guy 6'9", 245, that signed with Arkansas. And my little 6'1 guy got beat to death. 
but it was a team game, you know. But but <laughs> the the um, I I wanted all my kids to get scholarships, and I I I would use my influences and stuff to try to help them go places, and I'd do that. But boy, she wanted she almost like wanted me to sign a contract. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's um, I mean that that happens more than you think, right? I think that, uh, but I love how you explain to her what your role is as a coach, and sometimes as coaches, maybe we get in confrontational. Sometimes you need to be more conversational yeah, and and really try to work with the parents because they don't know sometimes. If I think by and large, if they know that you you really care for them and you're really trying to help them, at the end of the day. Uh, unless you're just in a real solid, good program where kids come there wanting scholarships, and a lot, and, and, and a lot of them do. I understand that. I mean, hey, you know, I understand. I understand more than I wish I did. But, 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 but I do right. think communication is good. I, I, I know coaches <laughs> avoid them, and it just brews and brews and brews, and there's never even an opportunity to become a friend. You know, like Abraham Lincoln said, if you have the ability to turn a true friend, you know, true enemy into a true friend, you know, there'll never be any enemies. So, you know, that's what I always tried to do. I, I'm not saying I always did it, but I know I always tried to do it because and try to help, you know, and then coach the kid regardless of how the parents thought. That's hard because they go home, they, they get an earful. They get, they get an earful on yeah. the way home, and the coach is always crazy. Yeah, they do. But if you can, if you can get that, if you can get that kid to take up for you, and I tell them, I say, if you know, if you're really a team player, your mom and dad starts talking about the coach. You know what you'd do if he's really a true player? You'd stand up to him and say, "Dad, mom, would y'all please stop it? I love him. He's a great guy and he's a great coach." That's it. I teach them. See if you don't coach them to do that. They might not ever thought about it. And I, I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example of me playing. I, I was when I was playing. Yeah. My daddy, like I was telling you, you know, he's a drunk and he's on drugs and had a lot of problems, but he he came to a game one night. You know, I don't know if I even said it earlier, but my daddy beat the crap out of me. I mean, really bad because I refused to quit school. And as a sophomore, but when I was a senior, daddy came to the game and I could not believe it. I was introduced. I was one of the three of them. There's three of us out on the floor and never will forget it. My daddy walks in drunk, about one step forward and two steps back. And he's looking for a place to sit and the gym's packed. And and one of my players, of uh, teammates turns to me, Mike says, Tony, you see your daddy? And I said, yeah, I see him. Another guy beside me said, God, Tony, I bet you're ashamed of him. I looked at him. I was ashamed of him. I said, that's my daddy. I mean, golly. <laughs> I mean, that's my daddy. But I'll tell you one thing. I played that game as hard as I could because I thought, man, if we get beaten, if I don't play good, he'll never come back. And... After the game, I, I played well. I did okay and all that stuff. And I come home, and my daddy worked in the cotton mills. He worked in the sawmills, and we were very poor. But first thing out of his mouth, Kevin, he, when I walked through that door, he said, 
Well, I don't know much about that game, but I'll tell you one thing. You're not shooting that ball. <laughs> you think any parents have ever said that to their kids? <laughs> you need to shoot that ball more. Well, I, <laughs> I did. I said, because I, see, when the parents like it when they shoot and score, that's when the crowd goes crazy. So they want their kid to shoot and score. And then they'll say, well, you're just as good as him. Or you're just as good as them, and right. you, don't, you don't shoot it. And they try to they compare them to people on the team and all that stuff. And but I just came back with what I knew to say. I said, Dad, I'm not really a, a, a great shooter. I'm a I'm a de- you know decent shooter. I said, but there's other parts of the game, you know. And I I was coaching didn't I, didn't even know it. I was a junior was a junior C. I was senior. I was senior in high school when 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 that happened. And and. Uh, you know, <laughs> Daddy stood up because don't don't cut down, Daddy. You don't know nothing about basketball. Don't be talking about my coach. I love him. That's what I told you at the beginning of the, the conversation. My high school coach Brady right. Grill had so much influence on me in my life, and I owe him so much to this day. I owe him so much, and 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 that influence should last forever. Coach, I just want to tell you on that, we, we can go on and on. I, I love how you're sharing the stories. And those are great life lessons for us coaches. And um, and I really appreciate you coming on and being so transparent with me. And I got the great Israel Engel coming on Friday. Oh, so we got back. Well, we got back I, I, I'll tell you, you're getting a great one. And, and I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it just because he's my son. That, that guy, <laughs> he, he is sharp. And he, he loves those kids. He works hard. And and um, I don't know what, what all he's going to tell you, but he took over a program I hadn't won 17 years. And then now they won three region championships. And he yeah. was coach of the year, I, I don't know, three or four times. And But he loves those kids, and they love him, and he works his butt off. And he has he has, he has a lot of – things that he does that that, that, that uh, he can share with some coaches uh, he's real real good with technical stuff and things like that that, that you know absolutely i'm a guy i started coaching when moby dick was a mentor <laughs> it's been a pleasure <laughs> right oh man um <laughs> Yeah, my goal is is to get the threesome on, man. Get you, Junior, and Israel on all together, well, man. That's I my goal. What, I know uh, it's going to be tough. Junior, you get that's that my goal. Guy, he says hello in the fall and goodbye in the spring, and and, and thank you in between. I mean, that guy, that guy, <laughs> he, he is. That would be awesome if we could right. pull that one off. I, 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 that would be awesome. Those, those, you know, they, they love. I just love. They're, they. Coaches love people, and and they teach them to love themselves. And uh, you know, and these kids nowadays, there's there's so much stuff going on in our society. Thank God for sports, not just men and women and boys and girls basketball, but all sports have done so much to bring us together. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and we need that now more, probably more than ever, don't we? Um, 
Coach, Coach, talk about before you go. Talk about your 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 book, your website, well, uh, and just tell us about uh, how people can get a hold of you. Is uh, Coach at TonyEngle dot com, uh, and Engle spelled I N G L E. So it's Coach at TonyEngle dot com. But you can go to my website. Uh, has just a lot of things on there. I'm going to be uh, making some changes on that here the next few few weeks or so, maybe a month or so. But uh, that you go to my website, look at some stuff there. Uh, I'm a professional speaker all over the country. I've, I've done a lot of things to uh, – I, I still do things to help high school coaches and stuff. Uh, but I have, I have a CD called A Dream Was Born. I have a CD called A Dream Was Born. And, and then I have a book called I Don't Mind Hitting Bottom, I Just Hate Dragging. And, um, and it's on, uh, Amazon. So you could go to Amazon, you can go to my website, whatever, uh, you know, get the book. I, I personally wrote it really for my family, my kids, and, and then put it out there for when I go speak, you know, but I, I personally think, and I've had a lot of other people tell me every coach needs to read that book and every athlete needs to read that book. Now, that's what people have told me. I haven't said that, but but I, I said on there because it might might be of influence. And then I have sold the book rights to a Hollywood movie producer named uh, Mitch Davis. He he did a movie called uh, Dead Port Society. He did a movie called Other Side of Heaven, and he's worked on some other movies with some other directors and so yeah. forth. But I hope, you know, if somebody's interested, I always tell them it's paperback. So if you don't like it, you can tear off the corner and pick your teeth with it. But, 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 uh, but yeah, thank you for, for, uh, for mentioning <laughs> that. I just trying to, right. I've had kids as young as eight years old read it and as old as 90 something read it. Um, but, um, yeah, if I, and if I can help me anyway, just let me know. I will, Coach, and I appreciate it. And I, I really want to keep in touch because I think uh, you offer so much uh, wisdom for us coaches, and we definitely need that. Uh, we learn from the best, right? So I really oh, appreciate yeah. you sharing, and I'm really looking yeah, forward to Friday okay, talking to your awesome. son. Thank you for doing that. I know that. he's going to he's gonna be great. Much. So Thank you because you're, you're, you're blessing lives. And, yeah, uh, sure. Thank you for doing that, Kevin. I appreciate you very much. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Have a Coach, thank you so much, man. I wish you the best out there, okay? Thank you. Hi, this is Jeff Jasper, head basketball coach at Pascag Valley High School in New Jersey. If you haven't listened to Kevin's championship podcast, you're missing out. This guy's got a passion for the game, great insights, and he interviews some pretty cool people. I must say he interviewed me. I had a lot of fun. Best to all of you. Take care.